Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 6, Episode 11. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of Project Voice. We're thrilled to have a great panel on the show today. Um, I want to take a second and make sure everybody is aware, as I'm sure you are, if you've been listening to the show this, uh, you know, this week in voice over the last few episodes, Project Voice 2022 is coming up. It's April 25th through the 28th. It's really the 25th to the 27th, 28th being private meetings in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, Amazon, Verizon, National Geographic, NVIDIA, Lenovo, The Washington Post, uh, DeepGram, Open Voice Network, and as you're about to hear, Dataforce and NLX. Uh, who are joining us on the show today, you can find information about that at projectvoice.ai. So we've got a great show. We're going to get on into it. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to our two guests. First of all, we've got Brad Hostet. Brad, if I'm mispronouncing that, tell me. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bradley. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's Brad Hastead. Uh, I'm the director of AI for Dataforce here in the Americas. Um, Dataforce is a subsidiary division of a company called TransPerfect. Um, TransPerfect is the largest translations and language uh, solutions provider in the world. Uh, we're celebrating our 30th uh, anniversary this year. Uh, just went over a billion dollars last year, have over 7,000 uh, global employees, uh, 120 offices globally, and we support uh, over 250 languages globally. Uh, Dataforce is the training data arm uh, of TransPerfect. We provide high quality human annotated training data for uh, data science and engineering teams that are uh, building AI, machine learning, NLP models uh, globally. Uh, the way we do that is we leverage really what TransPerfect's built over the last 30 years, uh, which is a community uh, nearly 2 million strong now of, of course, translators, but linguists, um, annotators, subject matter experts, if a project requires it, uh, medical experts, if a project requires it. Uh, and we were able to access these uh, this various expertise through our community to build these high quality usable data sets that we return back uh, to our clients' data science team so that they can begin the high value work, right? The, the moving uh, models into production, uh, deploying them, driving high value insights for business leaders. So that's that. No, that's excellent. Yeah. And, you know, uh, in our um, line of work, we encounter a lot of companies doing different things with data. You know, what makes DataForce a little bit different is um, just the, the the execution you bring and also just being part of a, a larger organization, I think, adds a tremendous amount of value to this specific type of, um, uh, you know, the, the work with data that has to go into the future of AI. Um, it's been great to get to know y'all. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, and, and you're right. I think um, that what we do dovetails nicely into what you said and what you're doing here with Project Voice in general. Uh, being part of the largest language solutions provider in the world uh, naturally dovetails into what companies are doing with voice applications and projects. So we're happy to be here. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, our next guest is Andre Papancia. Andre, just like Brad, if I mispronounced it, correct me. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Bradley. Good to see you. Andre Papancia, actually, but don't worry. Hardly anyone gets it right. Um, I'm the co-founder, CEO, and chief product officer of NLX. Uh, 
we specialize in transforming customer contact into personalized customer self-service, wherever that may be. And specifically, we do that through uh, enabling our, our customers to, to build and deploy um, chat, voice, and multimodal uh, conversations. Um, we work with a slew of, of two uh, retail, finance, and so on. And yet yeah, we enable our customers to just build uh, uh, great customer experiences. We were, we were talking a little bit earlier, right, on, on uh, all of our bad experiences while traveling lately and whatnot. We, we, try, to make, we, we try to make that for end users a little bit better. That's excellent. Say your last name one more time and I will get it right. <laughs> Papancha. Papancha. Yes. Okay. All right. It's very okay. phonetic. Yeah, no, Papancha. Yeah, so I'm born and raised in the South, so it takes me about 10 times to do what someone else might do in three, but uh, nevertheless, I can get it with enough time. Um, Welcome to the show, both of y'all, and with that, we'll get to the news. So story number one is one of two stories from VoiceBot for this week. I'm going to read the headline, Spotify rebrands Green Room Social Audio as Spotify Live ads live stream to main app so you know we're in season six of the show now and uh it almost never came up early on um in the discussions on this show but increasingly over time it has the role that social audio and uh, real-time live interactions basically whatever you call them um, have uh, the role they have to play uh, in the future of voice and AI. And Brad, I'll start with you on this and then Andre, go to you. Um, what did you um, take away from this story? There's a lot of different things, a lot of different um, ways to view social audio, you know, in your role with Data Force, how do you look at social audio and what do you think of the story? Yeah, the story's super interesting. And I, while I'm kind of, I'm probably like you, you're in season six now, it didn't come up a lot in those first uh, few seasons. It's probably going to come up a lot more now. Uh, even even me, I've used more of, of this type of technology, I would say late, I'm a big sports fan, for example. So being part of a live community while a game's going on and being able to converse on a social platform uh, with, you know, fa- fans, not only of that game, but of your team, I I think that's super creative. And I think it's going to be, you know, gives you that communal experience of being at a game. And this is just a sports example, but it goes for a variety of things. Um, You know, having that experience of being at a game without being actually present at the game, but you're still talking to fans, you're high-fiving, you're you're doing all the things you do, um, you know, during a normal contest, except you, you might be sitting on your couch at home. So I think it's, it's super uh, creative. I've, I've started using it more and more myself. So it, and it's interesting there, you know, their, their rebrand that that's just, uh, I think they want to have Spotify, um, you know, branding everywhere. So that, that makes sense uh, that, that they're uh, rebranding it to to that name as well. So I think it's uh, I think it's a good idea, and I think it's going to be a technology we talk more and more about. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And, uh, you know, Spotify over time has shown um, a knack for being ahead of the curve in 
important and meaningful ways, um, you know, they've shown good timing. And uh, to me, there's a little bit of that going on here too. Andre, same question for you. You know, what do you see in your role with NLX when you look at social audio? And then what did you take away from the story? Yeah, I mean, listen, first of all, re- the, the rebranding is, is, is likely a, a pretty good move for them. They already are social brands. So, uh, and we've seen this with other companies, right? Not necessarily in the space, but like, you know, Uber's consolidated so many different lines of business into like that one app. Uh, you have then companies like Meta that will sort of create the umbrella company and then like spawn out different companies de- dealing with different things. But I think in the case of, of uh, Spotify, um, this will work out quite nicely. I mean, especially in this increasingly remote uh, world, right? We rely so much on, on uh, all types of like multimedia, right? We don't get to see each other in person as much. So uh, putting more emphasis in, in the, you know, the types of mediums that like we uh, engage more and more with, uh, makes sense. And honestly, um, I can see implications for conversational AI in, in that space. Obviously, there, there's a live component and a human to human interaction in one way, shape, or form. But the ability, I could, first of all, um, I, I could see, let's say, first of all, transcriptions. That's already in place, right? We're, we're familiar with those types of capabilities. But I think um, as these types of um, mediums become richer from a user interface standpoint, like thing multimodal. Uh, imagine like you're you're uh, delivering some sort of content, and then you have these like actionable insights as uh, let's say maybe a live stream uh, is is happening, right? And that could be both for um, let's say the the listeners to to tap into or the 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 streamers themselves to to be able to like quick take quicker actions as part of the experience so um yeah that that's interesting um in terms of conversational ai andre because as, as, as more of these are adopted and or, or have widespread adoption and more and more users are on these social platforms interacting uh from a from a data force and transperfect uh, perspective um languages right i mean we're going to have to have more and more be able to serve uh, these applications are going to have to be able to serve more and more languages as we move forward. So um, that's something to consider too, as these become more mainstream. And it's Spotify; they are mainstream. Absolutely. Yeah, no, complete agreement with both of y'all. And you know, content moderation too is something that um, you know we've got our eye on. You know, hey, you're spamming everybody. Uh, we don't really want you to do that. Or, hey, you're sitting there engaging people around you, you know, people around you, you know, you're engaging some, some subset of people at this in, in green room, uh, mm-hmm. saying a bunch of stuff that uh, uh, it would make even George Carlin blush, you know, why don't you stop doing that? Um, you know, the conversational AI is going to have to rise up and uh, adapt to some of these live environments. And I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see, uh, how that happens. The, the other thing too um, that we have our eye on is, um, you know, you could call this sort of thing a social network. And and if Spotify were inclined, you know, any sort of social audio environment um, could be called a social network. Who knows? Maybe that is what they call it. I don't know. 
Um, and I think that it's good because, you know, just speaking for myself, I had deleted my Facebook account a long time ago and then I, I recreated a new one um, when we bought a business and needed to uh, use their Facebook account. Um, you know, Twitter has its many deficiencies. You know, these current social networks um, need more competition. And I think that's a role that social audio uh, will help uh, play as well. Um, any last comments on this one? Yeah, no, I, I just agree with what you just said there from a conversational AI perspective. And, and again, the more widespread it gets, the more and more of these models are going to need constant training and these uh, language uh, or you know, NLP training data sets. Um, you know, not only from a language perspective, but from a content moderation perspective, you know, these, um, these language data sets they're trained on prompts, utterances, you're going to need to use natural language generation to just create more and more ways um, that humans talk and they converse and to train these models on um, for that content moderation uh, example you gave. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, Story number two, this is from Android Central. Nest Hub Max may soon let you summon Google Assistant without saying a word. And this looks like a basic feature edition. And I guess it kind of is. But there's kind of, um, it kind of feels a little bit different, uh, at least to me. I don't know. I'm interested to get y'all's thoughts. Nadra, I'm going to start with you and then Brad go to you. Um, is this just a boring feature edition? Uh, that that deserves a, a page on the web full of advertisements that's almost barely un- you're barely readable um, and sort of a footnote, or is this something a little bit bigger um, for one of any number of reasons? What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I agree that it's it's not a a major feature from a you know let's say maybe implementation standpoint. What's interesting about it. My mind, first and foremost, goes to privacy because um, <laughs> I think we've all, you know, experienced either with Alexa, Google Home, what have you, where you're watching some movie on TV and all of a sudden, or like some commercial, all of a sudden they wake up, right, and start talking. How good is the, the implementation of their feature? I know like for my iPhone, I have Face ID and generally won't unlock unless I focus on it, right? It tracks eye movement. Depending on the level of, of sophistication of how it was implemented, what if it just randomly triggers and all of a sudden, uh, every, every time you, you, uh, you, know, you might look in its direction, but not necessarily with the intent to speak to it it will start capturing various, uh, you know, lengths of audio in, in, in the house. Um, hard to say, honestly, I think this is one that you have to kind of experience first and, and see its utility versus yelling to, let's say Alexa or Google home from around the room. So I, I'd be, I'd be curious to try it out, but it's, I, I, I struggle to see its utility off the bat. Um, at least that's my thought. I don't know. What What do you think, Brad? Yeah, Brad, your thoughts. It's interesting, Andre, you say data privacy. That's the first thing that popped in my head. What, what, was, what, are, the, what are the privacy concerns and, and, and issues here? They say down at the bottom um, of the article, um, 
The feature also addresses potential privacy concerns by performing all video processing locally, preventing the device from sending your data to Google servers. I think everybody might roll their eyes at that and go, okay, yeah, right. Um, I'm sure they're not ingesting any of my, my facial data. Um, I, I'm one of those skeptical uh, you know, people that doesn't necessarily believe when I hear things like that. So my, my, my first concern was privacy. But beyond that, I mean, I think you'll see more and more of this. I don't, I don't know how, um, I don't know if it's, if it's a huge feature right now, but I think you'll see more and more of this in different applications, not just Google. Um, you just in DataForce alone, I mean, we've got clients from a, a variety of different industries from healthcare to retail, um, you know, certainly tech that are all working on models and applications that might detect a facial tick um, or reactions, um, reactions the face has when reading, when, when given something to read. There are a variety of different models and projects going on right now where for, to detect or for, for various problems or, or issues they want to address, they're trying to train a model to detect certain things. So all that being said, I, I think in a variety of different models, in a variety of different industries, we're going to see uh, a lot more of this moving forward. So I think, I think the, um, the message is get ready. Yeah. And I, and I, I actually uh, agree with you, Brad, too. Uh, even if whether it's this feature or something else, I think what we're actually looking at is the increasingly multimodal nature of uh, conversational interactions where, uh, you know, you're using multiple devices, channels and, you know, things at the same time. Like we do this a lot for our customers uh, with NLX uh, where, you know, sometimes let's say you, you start the conversation over voice, it might not be the right user interface for a specific task. So then you can branch out and leverage other channels and synchronization to try to complete that task. They're doing something along, uh, you know, in, in that general direction as well, right? Where you have a device as a camera, I'm guessing there's probably some cool interaction with the screen once, you know, the let's say the eyes lock in with a camera and <laughs> the session is activated. So I could see all kinds of... Uh, more features like this in the future as well. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, it uh, I didn't quite know what to think of this either. And it's really interesting to hear, hear y'all's thoughts. Um, I think um, there's two things here in my mind. First of all, um, it's interesting how the, the impact that... Um, and I forget the name of the thing that Google announced. It just, it, when the show, the moment the show's over, it'll come back to me. But where Google will make phone calls, the AI will make phone calls. Duplex. 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 Thank, yeah. thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm getting older. My brain doesn't work. Um, Google Duplex. So the impact on Google that that botched rollout had, where they rolled this thing out, they thought, wow, isn't this cool? And it, it is. Uh, unfortunately, it was a little too cool, and it spooked everybody. And the backlash came swiftly, and it just has sort of spooked the company with how they roll out things to where it's, everything is almost like under the table. It's like, hey, we're doing this thing, and you know, just to see what the reaction is, um, you know, quietly, um, so that they can keep it going, and, you know, or pull it back if they need to. 
Um, this is uh, I, I, there's, this is one of several things that has been announced since then, and it's all been quiet and unceremonious uh, for the most part. The, the other thing about this is, um, you know, Andre, your point about the um, just the dynamic nature of these interactions and, and how uh, multimodal involvement, um, you know, these these systems, these assistants uh, rising up to meet people with in all sorts of different ways, I think is is spot on. And, um, you know, the um, uh, it reminds me of a friend of mine um, who's Indian. I've known him for many years. And uh, he, he uh, for a long time, he lived, you know, growing up, he lived in a house with his parents and then his grandparents. And and these folks, you know, uh, would walk around and they would have conversations that began like they would start a sentence and it, the sentence would begin in English and then it would go to some other language. Then it would go to another language. Then it would go back to English and then back to another language. And that, that's and that's all the same sentence. And uh, and I'm like, why would you possibly be doing that? And he's like, it's just the way we've always been. And I only say that example just to sort of illustrate the same sort of mentality with multimodal interactions, where maybe we start off in interaction with an assistant speaking, but we're moving around the house or the office environment. So maybe we say a few words, oh, and then it sees that we're over there. So it detects this and then we say something else. And then, oh, maybe it hears a noise and adjust, you know, I, uh, this fluid and dynamic nature of these things comes across um you know to me in the piece as as sort of the trend line on where we're going but uh but brad i agree with you privacy uh you know both y'all actually brought this up privacy uh <laughs> will be interesting to watch with this as well so any yeah, any of I these mean, comments yeah you're right and and with uh it's gonna it's gonna be who adapts right you've got the the early adopters into a fully connected home, right? The more people that have fully connected homes in your scenario of walking from your office to the kitchen to uh, to upstairs to change to heading out to the garage to hop in the car, you know the the more people that um, have fully connected households will be able to experience that type of of scenario. And those multimodal um, applications, they're all going to have to be trained as such, not only a language like you gave with your friend, uh, but in fac- different facial recognition uh, ticks. It's not just to, it's not just to activate my phone, right? It's, it, it can detect how I'm feeling. Am I, am I sad? Am I happy? You know, wh- whatever. And so in that scenario that you gave, I think it's just going to really depend on the consumer. You know, how many more, cons- how many consumers jump onto that fully connected home or in, in, into the vehicle and, and so on and so forth. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't have an answer. It'll just be interesting to see um, as we move forward. Couldn't agree more. Um, I'm going to move on to story number three. This is our second one from VoiceBot. Enterprise conversational AI startup Observe.ai raises $125 million. Um, so this is, um, this is a story that I included in the docket here, not so much, you know, it, yes, it's another, uh, data oriented company and, and Brad, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, you know, as far as that's concerned, but primarily I included it simply as a reflection on the money 
flowing into the space. So Brad, I'm going to start with you and then Andre go to you. Um, this is this is your field. You know, interested to hear anything that jumped out uh, to you about uh, maybe, you know, there's always some wide blue ocean. There's going to be 10 times the companies doing this sort of thing, you know, when it's all said and done. I don't think it's really a competitive thing, but just the money flowing into the space. Uh, what stood out to you from the piece? So this is all about this is all about customer experience, right? These guys are huge. I mean, they've raised um, a total of two hundred thirteen million. I've, I've heard of them for a while. I've, I've got a background in, in the contact center business, um, and that's kind of where I got my start in AI and, and NLP and, and you know, virtual assistants and those those types of interests. And so I've heard about them for a while. They're huge, uh, but I think overall, to your question, it it illustrates um, the emphasis on customer experience and personalized enhanced customer experiences um, and making sure that in the contact center space, our, our agents, so let's the human agent, a, a, a virtual agent, a combination of, of, of both of them are handling each customer um, in, in a personalized, special fashion to them, according to their tastes, according to what their concerns are, uh, according to what they're calling about. Um, I, that, that's what I took out of it. And you're just going to see, uh, Bradley, to your point, there's going to be more and more investment in these types of companies and technologies uh, moving forward. I, I've always liked the idea of, you know, I've got, I might have a human agent answer the phone, your typical customer support call. I might have a human agent answer the phone, but I've got this onboard virtual assistant that's right up there on their screen or in their ear that's connected in to the full knowledge base and taxonomies of that particular client that that customer's calling in for. And we'll be able to, based on questions that have been asked in the past, been able to, they'll be able to then um, pull that from the knowledge base, feed that into the human agent's ear or on their screen, and they'll be able to better properly serve that customer. I think we're going to see more, we are seeing this, but we're going to see more and more of that type of technology in those companies moving forward. And it's just, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see. And ultimately, if it, if it helps and increases the customer experience, I'm all for it. Right, <clears throat> right on. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Andre, same question for you. What, what stood out? And you're Fair enough. Unmuted now. Uh, for me, what stood out was their partnership with Zoom. Uh, it, it seems like both companies are kind of banking on it. And um, it's, uh, you know, it could create a win-win situation for them. Uh, I can relate to it from the standpoint of our partnership with, uh, with Amazon, with AWS in particular. Uh, we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of benefit uh, from that part, mutual benefit from that partnership, uh, from a go-to-market standpoint, like the ability to scale the use cases, right? So I could totally see part of the valuation or, you know, the, the new raise that that gargantuan amount, <laughs> Let, let's call it what it is, um, to also be tied to to some of the partnerships that the company has. So it's, it's exciting to see more of those uh, things uh, happening in the market. And I think that's, that's what's going to drive uh, some more of the growth and consolidation in the conversational AI space uh, in the coming, you know, couple, I don't know, to call it a couple months, couple quarters or years, but definitely I think we'll see more uh, of that sort. I also agree with Brad, but th this, this was like another thing that kind of stood out to me when I, I was going through it. Yeah, 
No, that's perfect. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing to think about, and I've been asked this a couple of times, um, to put it mildly, how many unicorns does this space support? And um, a related question is, what is the market size? The total, the TAM, you know, let's pull out some business school jargon. Um, you know, what what are we playing with here? And, you know, as as the two of you innately know, just like I do, it can be tough to discuss that because mm-hmm. the, the question is, who isn't a customer? I, I work backward. Who isn't a customer? <laughs> uh, who's mm-hmm. not going to be a customer over the next five to 10 years? I, I'm not joking. Who isn't? Like, I guess a school teacher may not be, but even then, or, or you know, uh, the church um, or, or, you know, maybe some nonprofit organizations, but, you know, and, and but I would say even a mom and pop gas station um, is going to have some sort of data needs and some sort of conversational needs over the next decade. It, I would be shocked. Uh, I, I think it would actually be an abject failure of this technology space if they mm-hmm. didn't. And, um, you know, when I say a church, I mean, churches uh, are already using some of these bots now, like some of these mega churches, like there's some interesting stuff going on there we won't go into here. Um, but uh, as soon as I say an example of one that maybe doesn't use conversational AI, I'm, I'm proven wrong. And um, yet, and, that's right. doesn't use conversational AI yet, because actually I could, I could, I would make the argument that even for the school teacher, because here's the thing, I, I, I start with an analogy. If we're just talking conversational AI, and let's say maybe some of the viewers might not necessarily have like a, a good understanding of, of the space, then yeah, you, you, you can come up with all kinds of different examples, except for if you look at the conversational AI space as that new, and, and specifically conversational AI applications as, as that new class of applications, right? It started with desktop apps, then it went to web apps, then it went to mobile apps, and now we have conversational applications. So if you follow that, uh, that path, and I think this is where we're going to see a lot more of, right? Just people interacting with technology in a conversational manner, whether it's textual or voice or multimodal, doesn't matter. The teacher could have, you know, a teacher could have their own conversational, uh, let's say, persona that parents could interact with to report maybe a school absence or, you know, ask for grades or, you know, whatever else, you know, parents and teachers or even students with their teachers like need to interact with. So I think really, if we look at the space as, hey, just like everyone has a website nowadays or can get the website very easily, we're going to see more of this in the future. And, you know, um, from my company standpoint, that's how we're setting ourselves up to, to enable in the market is really make conversationally AI accessible and enable anyone to, to build compelling conversational experiences uh, and make it easier for people to talk to technology. Yeah, if I could piggyback on that, this is why companies like Andres are set up perfectly because Bradley, to your point about, hey, what's the TAM? You know, what's our total market here? I don't know, because think about who is it a customer? Well, also, what about your internal customers, your employees, right? Um, there, there should be systems for them to interact with, 
you know, HR maybe, or, you know, or the, a certain payroll system, or if I've got questions about benefits or PTO or, or things like that. So it's not only building conversational models to, to better the customer experience and better serve your customer where they are in, in to use multimodal, that term, Andre, um, you know, service the customer wherever they are, but also service your internal customer, your internal employees, help them better, help answer questions more, uh, more accurately and faster um, and really kind of uh, eliminate those, those, those mundane tasks and those, those mundane uh, or those waiting times that uh, you might have between asking the questions and getting an answer. You're, you're also dealing with your internal folks as well. And so I think when you consider it that way, whether it's the school teacher or your external customer or your internal employees, who isn't using this? And I think that's why companies like, like Andre's are just positioned perfectly. Companies like both of yours are positioned perfectly. And uh, yeah, and, and I'm going to get a nasty gram about school teachers. I just know it. Look, I'm not saying school teachers are behind the curve, meaning they're in front of the curve. But the point is there are use cases that will come before other ones. Uh, but ultimately, I agree with y'all totally. Uh, everybody will be using this stuff. And it, where it really gets interesting is, um, you know, when you think about the web and the fact that if, if you, you know, go to a website, what are you doing? You're either gleaning some information that you needed. You're gathering uh, information uh, that you didn't already possess or and or you're making a transaction, um, and yeah, I'm sure there's other corner cases, but for the most part, it's one of those two things. And if you had a conversational AI um, sufficiently uh, trained and uh, contextual um, to, to know uh, you, you know, your patterns and whatnot, uh, to intercept you before you even go to the web, shoot, you may not even need to go to the web. Um, these things will be so smart. And uh, it's interesting to think about a world in which um, the web is in its, in its current incantation um, is much less necessary. But back to the original question, just to put a punctuation mark on this, how many unicorns do we need? And the way I approach that is um, uh, if you take the cross-section of any particular part of the voice and AI value chain, intercept it with uh, an industry vertical. So let's say data annotation for automotive for a random example in that particular space why would there be only one unicorn there'd probably be multiple so when you start to write it all out i mean you're talking probably triple digit you know triple digit amount of billion dollar companies that can be in this space which is insane com compared to where again talking to where this show started uh, where it was Amazon and Google sucking all the oxygen out of the room and there wasn't any money flowing into the space whatsoever because the thought process was that if we give you some funding and you come up with something cool, then Amazon and or Google will just take it from you by force and then you'll be out of business. And, uh, you know, that's changed, uh, obviously, over the course of time. Soundhound really being the first triple digit funding round uh, and then, uh, on from there. So interesting story. Any closing thoughts on this one? Not here. I, I, I totally agree. Um, and, and I just think uh, to your point about how many unicorns, I think it just breeds competition, right? And, and there, and there's going to be better and better and better products that come out. There'll be some consolidation or acquisitions and things like that. The market will settle somewhere. And then you might get specialization, 
right? So you, someone says, oh, I'm a, I'm a conversational AI developer or NLP developer. Well, then they might say, I do it. I, I focus on this niche. I develop models for this niche. And it might get niche after that. And I think that's just the, the natural progression of things. Complete, yeah, complete agreement. Um, story number four. This is from Make Use Of. Uh, we haven't quoted these folks in season six yet, but we've cited a few articles from them over, over the course of the show. This is an interesting one. You can now tell Alexa to plant a tree for you. This is interesting. So, we, you know, typically we'll end the show with some sort of bizarre or funny um, story because um, there are plenty of them uh, in this space. Uh, this one is is kind of uh, is kind of uplifting. Um, it's kind of interesting and it's kind of uplifting. Andre, I'm gonna start with you and then Brad go to you. Um, what do you? Where does your mind go when you look at this story? And you're muted. And I need to get better at this. So <laughs> uh, I, 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 I agree. It's super uplifting. And the first thing that came into my mind was, you know, the efficiency of those donation platforms where you can just very quickly using, let's say, uh, Apple Pay or um, Google Pay or something like that, you can you can just donate something and make it frictionless and easy because I, I you know it's it's weird I remember like a couple of years back I would see all these these ads for all kinds of let's say good charities that needed like uh, funding for all kinds of different uh, purposes and then sometimes you you tap into it uh, you want to give money and then they have this like multi page forms like oh damn it I'll come back to it later and sometimes you forget whereas making that transaction swift. You know, it, it's it's almost like the the Amazon like one click checkout right concept. So it's 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 really cool to 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 see that applied to um, to to something that feels you know a little overdue to be honest. Like just taking care of our planet, um, and it, it speaks to where um, voice voice AI is is effective, right? Just quick, simple transactions, and they manage to pack. A lot of goodness into just a simple transaction. I haven't tried it yet, but that's going to be my very next thing once we get off this call. I'm going to see how many trees I can plant. Uh, do, do 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 they charge for it, or is it just like you know one per Alexa account? We kind of do it. I think it charges a dollar per time to do it. Yeah, it's a um, dollar. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, your point's well taken, and I look forward to doing it with my son too. I'm going to tell him to do it, and not telling him what it will do, um, and have him try it out. And I'll actually be filming that. I'll throw it on the YouTube channel. But That's Brad, cool. yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Brad, same question to you. Uh, where does your mind go when you see this story? Yeah, well, first to Andre's point, I mean, just what voice AI can do, right? And 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 that that's just such a powerful thing. And and you're right, it is a small thing, Andre. But I mean, if enough people do it, then you end up having a really good, um, a really good thing happen. But uh, Bradley, to your question, um, uh, 
those of us, you know, who, who follow AI, like, like your audience and, and the three of us on the call and kind of follow the trends and the stories of what's going on, we'll hear certain terms, right? Like this is an example of AI for good, right? We, we hear the term responsible AI. And I think that's usually discussed in terms of, you know, responsible data practices, uh, you know, with, with regard to privacy or with regard to mitigating bias as much as we can in data sets and having uh, not only diverse data sets, but diverse teams that are, that are working on um, building AI models uh, and, and building data sets uh, to train these models. So we usually talk about responsible AI in, in terms of that, in terms of data. Um, but, I also think it's an example of AI for good, like building models, um, you know, whether it's a voice AI model or something else, it's building models to affect change um, and, and do things for good. Um, I think it, when, when we're on these, these podcasts or, or writing articles or we're speaking at shows, we're talking generally for commercial uses, I would say, um, you know, Hey, how do we uncover new revenue opportunities? How do we um, how do we save money? How do we help the customer? How do we help our own internal employees? Maybe eliminate or, uh, mundane tasks, automate mundane mundane tasks, and things like that. I think we generally talk about it in terms of commercial use. Well, here's an example of no. Let's just do something cool. Let's do something good. Um, let's help out. Let's let's help the planet. Let's grow a tree. It's really simple. It's really easy to do. And to your point, Bradley, hey, let's do it with our kids. You know, let's teach our kids the right thing to do. So it's an example for me of using AI for good. Yeah, both of y'all uh, had just had great points on that, and, and um, yeah, it's it's um, why aren't we seeing more of this? You know, I, I think it's a, a good question. I, and and uh, it may, I think it's a good question to ask. Maybe it's, it's, it's for another time. I think it's a good thing that we're seeing it and uh, definitely something good to, to share with children. Definitely. I think something that Amazon may not even know the value of what they figured out. This is, this is, this might be the work of, you know, the, the first year new hire, uh, doing some you know, intro project in the company or something, or, or maybe it's a work of an established team, but whoever it is that came up with this, you did something good because this is something that Amazon ought to be advertising, just to be honest about it. Um, and um, not just for the utility of Alexa, but for the optics uh, necessary to combat the hostility toward growing, you know, growing toward big tech. Um, but I, I'll, I'll conclude just with the, where my mind goes is, you know, I grew up uh, in a family business where, you know, uh, my grandfather started a company that ended up being very successful. And I grew up running down the hallways of that business. And I had the exposure to an early computer. And, uh, you know, that shaped my life in many ways, uh, just to have that access. And I think about children, how they would be shaped and are shaped when they encounter as a six, seven, eight-year-old, my son is 10, going to a computer in essence, uh, actually not in essence, an actual computer with a smart speaker um, and, and asking, you know, or having this conversational exchange, Alexa, plant a tree, and then having that actually do something um, to, to alter the world that you live in. It was different one second ago, and now you've changed it through something that you've said into technology and just the way that that would shape your mindset, um, I think is radical. And uh, 
So I'm excited with stories like this. I think it's a great one to end on. Any closing thoughts? No, that's a great point. And it, and it extends to other uses too. You know, what if, what if, you know, my son's 11, what if he could sit down and, and say, Alexa, build a house and it contributes to building, um, you know, low-income housing or, or housing in challenging areas, uh, you know, for people in need. I mean, there, there's endless uses. So um, I think, again, it's just an example of AI for good and it, it needs to be led by maybe some of the big tech, um, you know, companies. And I'm glad that it is here in this case. Perfect. Gentlemen, uh, thank you for setting the time aside. Thank you for sharing your experience as well as your expertise with not just me, but the audience as well. Pleasure. We're off to planting a forest now. (laughs) My pleasure. Thanks, Bradley. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Bradley. You got it. For This Week in Voice, Season 6, Episode 11. Thank you for listening on major podcast providers watching if you're watching on YouTube. Until next time.